Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Yes, we are back. And we've got sawdust in the house. Lots of sawdust. It's ready to fly today. <laughs> it is going to fly all over the place here very shortly, folks. We have Peter Wood in, and Peter has with him John Thompson from the uh, St. Louis County. What, what, John, what department do you work for for St. Louis County? Is it land? Yeah, it was uh, called the land it? department. Uh, now it's land and go. minerals. Okay. Well, f- welcome to both of you this morning on this chilly north. And did it, Peter, did I just hear you say it's too cold for you to get out in the woods? Are you getting soft? I'm getting really soft. Actually, our, our cutoff for our family is 20 below, and you get up, and if it's below that, we don't go. What we have found, folks, in the past is there is zero is a point, 10 below is a point, 20 below is a point. And what we have found is that once you get below 20 below, like between zero and 10 is a bit of a jump, 10 to 20 below is a little bit of a jump. But when you go below that 20 below, what we have found, it seems like it doesn't get a little bit more. It gets way, way worse. Uh, yeah. Compounds out many times. And some people, it's 20 below. Some people, it's 30 below. Some people don't look at the temperature. And everybody has their own personal preference. But it's warming up quite a bit. When I was coming in, I was watching the temperature on the vehicle. And you could see it climbing more and more. And down here, it's like 5 below. Up at home, oh, yeah. it, was, it, was below, it was below 20. And so you can go to different job sites in different spots, and you can go from 20 below. It can be 25, 30 below some places. It'll, it'll, it'll fluctuate a fair amount. So we've just sure. learned not to go at the time. We'll go, but it's just when. I mean, if it stays real bad, then we'll wait a little bit. But uh, Peter, when it gets that bad, uh, w- what is the main thing that gets in the way? The equipment uh, becomes too the 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 yep. oil and stuff just gets so thick that yeah. things can't function properly. Is everything that gets the equipment gets really br- more brittler? You could say uh, yeah. everything starts harder. It, go, it doesn't go as good. You can get things going, but it gets just so difficult. Um, the oils, the metal. You can watch metal. Years ago, I've seen actual booms that would break because of the cold. Oh. And sometimes it wouldn't even happen that day. You think, oh, was I remember a logger telling me everything's going good, and two weeks his loader boom broke off. And you, sure. it's like, well, it didn't. Well, it was warmer that day. Well, your problem happened when you were going at thirty below. That's when the problem actually happened. It just took a little bit of time to show up. So sure. it just becomes. Uh, Preventive maintenance, you can say, because you go to any of these like truck shops or equipment shops, uh, when you get these cold weather, it seems like they are book solid everywhere. Well, people yeah. are having the weak links show up. Well, and, and the, other, the other issue is the wear and tear on the human body. Our cutoff yeah, rate mean, for cruising timber was 30 below. We didn't go to the woods till it got up to 30 below. Oh, yeah, now okay. we're getting a little jousting here. See how this is No, 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 no. I'm just saying. We didn't have any metal parts on us to break. <laughs> no, so they used their the head, not their back, huh? Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, folks, uh, if I could uh, just uh, say just a little story so we can get into uh, JT here. He's got a lot of information here I'd like to get to. But if, if okay. you could just um, bear with me just a little bit. Uh, sometimes some things don't seem quite how they are. Um, years ago, you you don't hardly see it anymore. Is there would be a building on these rural areas, country roads, and that you would see a building out by the county road, like thirty forty feet off, just a single stall garage. 
and then the homestead would be two, three hundred feet in, and it wouldn't make sense. And what that was is back years ago, if you went back at that time, it made perfect sense. But if you saw it today, you very seldom see it anymore. You'd see it in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan a little bit, but you really don't see it anymore. Is that one building all by itself, and it would house a car, and there would be a little, boil, little uh, barrel stove in there to heat it up. And the reason why they would do that is they would park their car there in the wintertime, and then when it snowed a lot, they'd have to shovel 30, 40 feet to get to the county road, and they'd be off their way. Well, sure. they couldn't do it when it was 300 feet in. They didn't have the money or the manpower or anything to shovel or push or blow. They didn't have snowblowers. They didn't have pickups with plows on. They just, they just had to do it by hand. And so it wouldn't make sense today doing that. But back then, it made perfect sense. And so when we do certain things, if, if an individual, if the listeners, the folks out there would want to find out what really goes on, then it makes sense. The garage is close. You shovel for about a half hour. You're on your way with your car. Today, sure. you don't see that anymore. Well, like with the county, with uh, St. Louis County with JT here, we, he's done some work in the past, and I remember the job sites and that, where they did things. And back then, people weren't overly happy sometimes, were they, John? Oh, no. We'd, we'd get quite a bit of opposition sometimes. Why do you, why do you have to log this? Or it's going to look horrible, and, and so on and we try to explain it's kind of like after a heart attack things don't look so good either but you needed to do it and it's going to be better and uh, so we don't see that so much now Um, people are seeing results of good forest management all around and really a lot less opposition to our work it's um it's kind of been a good thing to see it progress that way well john are you saying that are you saying that people have become more understanding that something that might look like a bad cut, you know, close to the highway or something, it, it does not mean that's going to be a, a terrible situation. Have, have well, they exactly. been accepting they, of the fact? They've seen good yeah. results over the last 30 or 40 years. And okay. uh, uh, I'm going to get into a story about that in a little while. But way back, we had our stands were pretty beat up. And, and quite often, the loggers would go in, they'd take everything that was usable but there would be a lot of material that had been standing dead, and when they'd leave, yep. it still looked like there was timber everywhere that had been left behind. And I, many times people would ask me, why do they waste so much? And really, not very much was wasted. It was, it was already dead and not usable by the mill. Well, we've got a much healthier forest situation out there in, in a lot of places now, and so we aren't seeing that situation as much. Uh, the jobs look better. <clears throat> and, and of Pete, course, is there a or Pete or John? Is there a is there kind of a rule of thumb about how long it might take a uh, an area that you go in and cut off to regenerate itself? I mean, the seedling will pop in the ground, and they the, uh, poplar balsam grows so fast that. Uh, but it, but I suppose there's no real rule of thumb. I think it varies on the weather and the rain and the moisture and well, all it, that, right? It depends on what's growing there, um, Brad. If you uh, if you're going to grow pine, uh, we got usually a couple of years that it takes to get the site prepared, ready, uh, get the seedlings in the ground, and and it'll be five or six years before you see them get up to about knee high. Uh, So there's a little time delay there. If you're managing northern hardwoods, it takes even a little longer, six or seven years 
before they uh, stick their heads up out of the brush. Uh, I had a job I did by Brookston, and I kept going by there and looking, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I wrecked this one. All I see is, is raspberries. And about seven years afterward, all of a sudden, they stuck their heads up out of it, and they're doing great. But it takes some time on those. Aspen, you sure. cut the stuff, and you better jump back, or it'll jab you in the eye. <laughs> you know? It, it comes a little uh, fast. It really comes I've, up. I've heard, I've heard some people, guys, actually refer to Aspen as like weeds. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's all stems of a single uh, plant. They're, sure. They're all connected underground, but... Uh, if you cut good site aspen in the winter, especially, not unusual to see it grow seven feet the first year. So that wow. that's uh, it. It really comes up in a hurry. Um, you know, the, the stuff that comes from seed takes longer. We've planted trees too, like white spruce at home. We planted one time about forty, fifty acres, and we did the whole thing. And about three years later, four years later, you look and you think, oh, they all died. And I thought, what a waste. We didn't accomplish nothing here. And right around about yeah. the sixth, seventh year, they were brown. They Boom. looked brown. They looked dead. I thought, man, we just wasted everything here. And then you just leave it, and all of a sudden they're pushing up. And now those same trees are probably 20 feet tall, thick everywhere, beautiful, lush forest, just 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 blooming really great. And so it's it's yeah. on its own time frame, like I've said in the past. The forest has its own time frame, and it, it grows as it grows. And I remember doing some of those job sites back in the later, it would have been like the mid-80s to the earlier 90s where we had all that dead balsam everywhere. And you would have just, it, the balsam would be so dead standing, you could almost push it over with your hand and be that gray dead, no needles on it. And you'd be throwing good, healthy trees into it to knock it down because you just want to smash it all down. At first, everybody thought, what are you doing? Well, you smashed all that down, and it looked like it was just raining material down. You'd just smash, and stuff would be flying and going down. And now you go back to those same job sites, and it's a beautiful, young, healthy forest that is just lush and growing tremendous, great timber. It's, it's managing the forest. Well, we did yeah. We did put those nutrients back into the site, getting them down on the ground. And this is another thing. People say, why don't you pull the brush up into piles and burn it to get rid of it? Uh, you most of the time don't want to do that because what you want to do is, is keep those nutrients right out on the site, let that rot down and go right back into the soil. And uh, that I've, I've participated in a few studies. In fact, uh, well, Peter cut one of the study jobs that I set up for the university. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yep, yep. And, uh, and, and again, we found that, that the nutrients going back in, we were, we were doing just fine. There was no, no nutrient sure. depletion from us taking the timber off. Remember how we did that, John? We, there was different plots, and yep. we did squares. There, what were they, like seven or ten-acre uh, plots? ten-acre, ten acre, um, uh, each different treatment was a ten-acre block, and we had... Uh, nine treatment blocks and then one control block yeah and uh, okay. one we were had to slick it off i think nothing left yeah. the other one we were supposed to leave a big as mess yeah we, utilize the the round the good roundwood but had to leave a mess out there i think it was wasn't it oh yeah we had and then we had different kinds of retention whether we were leaving uh clumps retained or whether we were leaving individual trees standing out there um 
plus uh, slash treatments. So we had we had a total of nine different treatments on that. And, uh, and we even wow. had uh, instruments in the machines to monitor where we were going the whole time and everything yeah. exactly monitored to right to the point. And have you been back there? I've been, I was back there probably a year later. And there is Aspen over my head. I oh, mean, yeah. it was unbelievable. I, I haven't been back to that site because it's behind a locked gate. So, <laughs> I and I, and I gave that key back. <laughs> I went through the locked gate. I don't know how it opened mysteriously. I don't know. I might have a land apartment I, I, key I remember, around. Uh, I remember you guys uh, just not too many. Well, it was probably 20 years ago now. But I used to hunt in an area up by Brookston, right along the St. Louis River, right off uh, Highway 2 there. And I, it was a great spot for, for grouse. And I used to go in there every year and get grouse, and I was so happy. And then one year I came, and somebody had logged it off. And I thought, oh, this is, this is terrible. This is going to be brutal. I, just, I, I won't have my favorite hunting spot now ever again. And, you know, within about two or three years, a lot of the stuff was up over my shoulders. Uh, there were birds back in there by the droves. I mean, it didn't take long. I think it's fair to say that, you know, I hope everybody understands that a forest is a renewable system. Well, yeah, I, I, I had a wonderful experience here a couple of months ago. Uh, well, let's see, it was just a few days before deer season. Um, but I got to go on a tour and we had four land commissioners along. We had... Um, John Vogel, uh, Dave Epperly, Bob Kreps, and the current land commissioner, Mark Weber, along. We had the uh, the two area managers, Mark Pancook, who holds the same job I had, and uh, Dave Skirla from up in the Virginia area. And we, we went on a tour up in the Brimson area looking at jobs that we had done 20, 30 years before and it was so gratifying to see the results. Um, yeah. So much of forestry is faith. You have faith that it's going to work. And, and you do these things. And so many of the jobs you do as a forester, you may not live to see the results. It, you know, it's a long-term deal. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. We saw one that I really was impressed by. We, uh, we used a piece of equipment called a salmon blade. Uh, developed in salmon idaho that's why the name and it's okay. like a brush rake on the front of a bulldozer but it it only has four teeth and each tooth sort of looks like a plowshare and you run it two or three inches deep and it just turns over the duff layer and exposes mineral soil so you you take this thing and you run around through a a, a stand of timber and, and scarify about 50 percent of the area and then wait a year and then okay. harvest it, and what wonderful regeneration we got in our birch, because birch has huh. been a tough one to bring back, and we did it did really good, and we've used it quite a bit. It, it also works for the lighter seeded species, so the pines, the spruces, are coming in, and again we're growing that mixed forest, which is really desirable to have the mixture out well, there. Well, guys, we we have to take a quick break here. Your Twin Ports home for the Packers. High-stepping touchdown. WDSM. Giant Redwood. The larch. The fir. The mighty Scots pine. The smell of fresh-cut timber. The crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. 
I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the laboratory. I go to the laboratory. <laughs> Everywhere, <laughs> everywhere I want to be. Yeah, wherever you need to go. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, let me ask you a question. I've been listening to that song for a long time, Peter. And have you ever taken your wife out in the woods cutting with you? Does she ever go on the job with you? <laughs> Actually, she has no. a little bit. It went okay. She did learn to run the delimmer for a while, and it, it was an older okay. one at the time. This is all oh, back in the mid '90s, and she started picking up on it little by little. She actually got pretty decent, but uh, it wasn't, she could still do it, but uh, it's it's not her forte, I guess you could say. She's better at other things. She's an accountant by trade, actually. She, she's oh. very good at that. So she kind of runs the uh, the business end, uh, shall we yep. say, of your, yep. of your the endeavors. The books, yeah. where the money is, everything. Okay. She does a very good job. That's what she was trained for, and she does a beautiful job of it, really. And I would be really, really in deep doo-doo without her. <laughs> I hear, I hear you. My my wife does the same thing with our uh, institution here. Yeah. So, yeah. so everybody's got their places and do their work. But actually, my daughter, she's she comes out and she runs the skitter for me. Some she's getting better and better. And uh, okay. it actually, yeah. If you have a desire and you want to learn how to run, my daughter's sixteen and she can run the skitter very good. I mean, she's got oh. she's got more improvement to do. Don't get me wrong. My son, yep. he's 21, and he runs the Feller Buncher for me, and he does a very he got very good at it. And hopefully, his head doesn't get too big because he'll probably ask for more money or something like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but he did get really good because it's hard to learn. Some of these machines are very difficult to learn because you don't know you can run a back or you can run a little skid steer, and people think, yeah, sure. I can run all kinds of stuff. Well. Certain machines get way more difficult, and people can get in there and think they can do it, and all of a sudden they realize they can't. And either you have the ability or you don't, and if you do have the ability, then you got to have the heart and desire to do it. And if you do, yes, you can run equipment. It just It's a learning process. But Well, and Peter, uh, Peter, are sometimes kids better at that because it's almost like a video game? You're using sticks and things to I, I don't know. control levers? See, video games are, are real foreign to me. I really don't know, yeah. uh, maybe in the right circumstances, but out in the woods, it's there's so many variables that take place, and there's so much going on. For, like, running the bunch, you're, you're, both your feet are doing something, both hands, your fingers, your thumbs, they're all doing functions all the time. Wow. So your feet could be tracking forward, your two hands could be pushing the sticks forward to go out and cut a tree, and then your fingers have to be pushing the buttons to grab the tree as it does. And then you got, if you're going up and down hills, you got to level. And all this is going automatically in your mind, so could they maybe? Uh, it's one of those things, I don't know. The biggest thing is, if you want to be an equipment operator like in the woods, first of all, you got to have eye-hand coordination, athletic ability. Yeah. Uh, you got to have some. Yeah. I mean, you got to have some. But then you got to have... You got to be wanting to do it too, and if you got all those things, then you'll learn. You can get better. But we we, we were talking off the air here. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, yeah. yep. John. The other the other part of being a good operator is not the ability to cut the tree, but it's how you lay out the cut products so that they can be efficiently brought back out of the woods. How you sort ah. them so that everything goes good on the landing, and that's every bit as important as being real fast with cutting them. 
I didn't add that sure. part because that's automatic. <laughs> well, it's automatic for you, Peter, but that's that's the part that takes a while to learn. Yes, it does. He, J- JT is right. It all starts at the stump, at the tree, even the laying yeah. out of the sail, even with the forester, the, the county land department. They all have to work. We all have to work together because if, if you lay out a sail or we're cutting the sail wrong or the buncher's not doing it right or, or you're skidding wrong, it all has to work together. So it's like it's like when it's all working together, it looks like all the gears are meshing at the same time. And yeah. you can even have, like, the forester come out, park his pickup, walk around, just wave. And a lot of times we'll just say, hello, how's it going, ask a few questions, and we're off to the races again. We're just keep on chugging right along, you know. Sure. You, you almost ran over me one time with a load. <laughs> <laughs> There's that Forrester. Uh, they'll never figure this one out. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was coming out of the woods behind him, and I saw Peter start away with a drag of wood, so I figured, okay, it's it's safe to come out there. All of a sudden, he stops and puts it in reverse, and this thing's coming right at me. And I am. He, what he's doing is breaking off limbs, because when it's cold in the winter, you can back up a load and you can just break off a lot of the limbs. And that's what oh, he was sure. doing. And I had to scramble to get out of there. You got to remember, realize one thing too, folks out there, that the machines are moving. You think, well, I can just walk and I'll get out of the way easy. It's not that way, is it, JT? You I know, mean, they are moving. You'd have to run on a good ground. Well, they're moving and there's a lot of stuff in your way when you're walking that the, the machine just crunches it, but you got to get through it. So it was. <laughs> well, uh, guys, uh, guys, we have to take our Fox News break at the bottom of the hour, but l- think about this while we're away. Uh, when we come back, JT, maybe you could explain to listeners what you're checking on when you go out in the woods. Uh, Talk a little bit about what you're looking for when you come out to that job site. AM 710 little wood chopper ball to bring you back to it there folks <laughs> we're ready to dance we're ready to play again yeah you got that right hey uh for both you and jt i want to let you know people are listening out there i just got an email uh, from one of our listeners in northern wisconsin brian sticker stickler sticker uh and he shows himself he's out in the woods this morning with a big uh, uh, boom thing picking up logs, they've they've cut off an area, and they're scooping and they're picking up with this big claw and putting them on a trailer. And he says, "Nice to hear you guys talking forestry this morning. We listen to you every morning over here in northern Wisconsin." Well, Brian, a shout out to you. Thanks for letting us know you're out there. I appreciate that a lot. There's a lot of logging. Logging goes on in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, up in the upper Midwest, and I'm glad that people like you are willing to listen and take the time to hear what's going on. I appreciate it, really. Yeah. So, but um, you so, had a question on so guys, uh, working with yes. uh, land departments, DNR, St. Louis County, and that. Yeah, we, we have a... Uh, we have discussions. Some are most of the time. It's all. It's always for the better outcome. It's just. Uh, do you agree at the moment? At the time, you know. We've had a few locking horns moment. I guess you could say. <laughs> Peter. Peter said I always told him the truth, but sometimes he really didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear that. <laughs> Tell me something I want to hear. Yeah. But well, one of, one of the things we do regularly um, after a timber sale begins operating, um, we stop by. 
unscheduled visits. We don't tell anybody we're coming. We just show up. And we go out there, and, and we're walking around the site, seeing what's been done. We're, we're checking to see, for instance, uh, has there been too much rutting of a site? Sometimes if a site's wet, you can get a lot of ruts cut. Uh, it, can, it can go in the summertime to the point where, where we have to shut the job down. Um, and I will say that now 95% of the time, the loggers will shut themselves down before it gets to the point that the foresters have to. Um, okay. That's that's just a real common thing. We're looking for utilization. Are is wood being wasted, or are we using everything that's that's merchantable wood, everything that that should be there? Um, sometimes we have to um, measure a pile of wood. That that's a term we call scaling, and we'll measure and mark a pile of wood so that it can be hauled away. Um, we don't do nearly as much of that anymore, but every now and then we have to scale a pile of wood off that's that's sitting there ready to go. Um, just looking for other other contract terms. Um, is the slash being scattered properly? Uh, lots of times the loggers are bringing the whole tree in. They're doing all the processing at, at a central location, and then we want the slash dragged back out onto the site and, and scattered. And it is that, that helps fertilize, you refertilize the, the forest. Sure. Yeah, we want that mm-hmm. stuff back out there instead of in a, a great big pile that we have to burn. Um, we want it scattered back on the site. Uh, so these are all all things that we're looking at. We just, you know, go through the, the contract. The The timber contract itself actually has, has quite a few provisions. Um, timing is very critical uh, on a lot of operations, uh, lots of times it's not so much what we do, but when we do it um, okay. that, that makes a difference on the outcome. Um, That's I remember your contract when you sign it; it's all there all the time. Yeah, you got to read through it. Well, yeah, most the, of them are pretty much the same over and over again. There's a few add-ons here and there. Yeah, but the, yeah, we have. You know, there's boilerplate language in the contract that the lawyers write, and then there's the sure. uh, special regulations that that apply to any given sale. That we uh, th- and those are written by the the forestry staff, and it's it's whatever we think has to be done there for the desired outcome. Um, you know, we're, we're interested, obviously, in, in the cash flow, uh, want to get paid for the wood and so on. But the real objective sure. is how are we going to regenerate this and, and get the results we want to see and, and get that, that future forest. You know, uh, sometimes we're, we're changing over uh, what's there. It, it may be a, a low productive site for Aspen. Uh, and we want to convert it over and put pine or spruce in there. Uh, that's okay. going to make a difference in how we have it harvested, and that'll that'll reflect in special regulations. So, a lot of times, uh, well, you know, I had a Peter. I had a question for you in the same regard, but mm-hmm. uh, but a little different. When, when you, well, first of all, how do you go about getting a parcel of land? to log off have you already driven by an area and you say oh that looks like a county spot over there or or is there an office that you go into and you look at parcels that are available that you can well, bid on or how does like how the, does that process like with go? the county or dnr they send you information on the sales that are coming up and you can look at them um, private a lot of times when you're driving by or if you're going i'm looking at timber constantly it seems like i'm always looking at timber you may not buy maybe five percent of what you're looking at 
but you're always looking. And like with St. Louis County, they'll send you information or a forester will send you a packet of a sale that he or she has coming up that they might find you interested in it. And you'll look at the packet. You may go look at it. A lot of times what I do is I look at who the forester is, where it is, and what kind of train it is. And a lot of times you know right offhand if you're interested or not. And if you are interested, then you go to the process of starting to talk to the forester about it. And you keep okay. you keep building rela- you have relationships with all these people, and it takes time to get that established. And over time, you do have that, and you know what they're going to say a lot of times. But you want to find out information about what entails in the sale. What's what's the good things and bad things G- about it? Yeah, you, you GT, always have the option of of walking over the sale. But I'll tell you, once the loggers get to know who they're dealing with, quite often they'll. Uh, Take a look at who cruised it. They may make a phone call and ask about it, uh, and they'll they'll drop a sixty thousand dollars out of her looking at it. Well, uh, a lot of times it's okay. more than that, JT. You know, but, I was being real <laughs> conservative there, but uh, yeah, that's exactly what we do. We get to know the forester, <clears throat> and a lot of times, sometimes I don't even know if I talk to some of the foresters. I just go to the auction. And this is what I want to do, and and you may well, you may walk well with it, you may not, but. Uh, it's it's you you develop relationships with all these individuals is what it is and all sure. the logging community does it. And there's other things that we've done in the past where we've had discussions in the past of uh, timber sales, and here's one that we did. Oh, I don't know. Remember when uh, the forester would set up like a spruce sale and they'd have spots that would jag out a little bit and then come back like little fingers. We asked, could you not do that? Remember that, JT? Yeah. The, 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 because the reason why is the, the forester would be walking through there like a, you know, like a dog going through or a tree, and, yeah, it works good for them. But then when we come in, we start bunching and cutting. Sure. We're doing too many turns. And, and in the swamps, you make too many turns, you could start going down. Yeah. And start yeah. sinking, and so yeah. could you make it more gradual? You know, and you explain why, and pretty soon they, they, those are one of the changes that do take place. That's why. That's why one logger described Jim Larson as a ferret. <laughs> Jim, that's horrible. So it's Jim, like, mad. Jim, Jim chased all those. <laughs> he's going to get me for this, but uh, yeah, he came back in one day and said, "My God, he's just a ferret." <laughs> He'd get almost but, mad, you know, yeah, like we, jogging we, all over, paint all we, over. He'd be a paint all over himself. We, we, oh, sometimes he'd come in with so much blue paint, we'd want to throw him down and do CPR. You know, he'd, he'd look a little gray in the face there. But uh, You'd have uh, to we, look at Jim, we, though. Remember we, him? He was thin, skinny, looked like he couldn't we, last a minute. We gentled our curves out. Heck, I could outwalk everybody. But, uh, no, people did learn that, you know, if they, if they had a sale that was done by Jim Larson or by Gene Becker or sure. Randy Roth, uh, they didn't need to worry about it. There was a, it was done right. You know, it was a good job, and, and it was a good cruise, and that was important. Having a real good estimate well, of what was there it lets the logger plan correctly. That's a big okay. thing. Well, right listen, there. guys, I've had, a, I've had another question, very important question for Peter. See, and this is how our listeners listen, Peter. All right. This particular listener, Rick, says, Brad, ask Peter how he did with his state on the overloaded truck. Remember a month or so ago you talked about that you had been given a fine uh, because you went through one of the wait stations and they weren't going to give you any forgiveness at all. And uh, you were having some issues with that. You were going to bring it up to the county board or somebody. How did that work out for you? Okay, who was the guy that sent this? Rick. That? Rick, okay. Rick, um, right now, um, we were discussing, I guess you could say. I have the, the very next 
that night or the next day. I made my phone calls to the proper people, and it will be taken care of properly. Um, that day I can explain what happened, okay? Snow load everywhere. Um, put the normal load on, went through the scale. The first truck went through. He was 400 pounds overweight, okay, 400. Yep. There's all this snow load that threw it off. I watched my air gauges. I talked to the trucker. I said, yeah, everything would be good. You take off. And what what happened, I've talked to, I've had other people say this through Scott Dane to me. They've had other guys take off legal. They get down to scale and they've gained weight. Because as you're going down the road, what actually takes place is those tires are kicking up snow, picking up slush, and it can actually cake sure. on there. And it actually, we gained on one, two trucks, close to 2,000 pounds, I think it was. On, on the truck and trailer, it'll accumulate like that. It'll just start sticking, sticking. I had another guy, Tell Scott, told me that he stopped and Grand Rapids went on a scale, checked it, got to uh, Saginaw scale, and he was overweight. It accumulates. Wow. So right now we're in discussion. We will be in discussing this um, the proper way. Um, yes, then my second truck, which I was driving, was overweight by 800 pounds. Okay. Okay. Now you're talking, okay, folks, you're talking 30-some tons on there, and all of a sudden you're that much over. That's yeah. nothing. I mean, you could no. have two sticks and change that. And yeah. it gets a little frustrating, but, you know, life goes on. I'm not going to pick on anybody or anything. It's just that that's what happens. But we're in discussion on what to do with this, and hopefully it'll get okay. cleared up, and hopefully we can have a good good response now, back Now, one last question. Uh, we're, we're getting towards the uh, time I've got to cut you loose. But before I do that, I want to ask you both about the health of the uh, specifically white birch, but birch forest in northern Minnesota. Uh, is it are are we healthy? Are there some issues there? What what's the health of the forest up in the northern segment where we are? Well, the the birch is old, and that's really the only thing wrong with it. Uh, birch okay. is a short-lived species. Most of these stands originated from the fires in 1918, and it's old, and that's why we're losing most of the birch that we're losing. Birch is okay. reverting back to its uh, historical position on the landscape where we didn't really have that many big birch stands, but we had a birch component all over. And we do still have that. And, and especially when we do these things where we uh, go in and, and scarify the ground, scratch it up so that we'll grow some pine, that brings in sure. birch as well. Um, when we do straight winter jobs and, and don't scarify, you don't get really much birch reproduction. You'll see it along beside the roads where there was mineral soil exposed. Uh, okay. But we're seeing birch coming back healthy. And, and again, that's why uh, with we, we started using that salmon blade I talked about because we don't want to lose that birch component everywhere. But it, it is moving back more to its historical position on the landscape. Oh, and that's right. what's happening. And up the shore, there's a lot of birch that's growing on clay, and clay is not the best soil for birch. And so we're seeing those stands starting to die back. And uh, it's just a function of old age primarily. What's the value sure. of the white birch in the realm of you being a logger, Pete? Um, some, if it's really good quality, can make beautiful saw logs. 
there used to be a mill over in Park Falls, Wisconsin that used to consume it, but right now, as far as I know, they're shut down completely, and I don't think it'll come back. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, Butch Johnson owned it over there. Um, firewood, you make good firewood. The paper mill in Cloquet consumes some. Uh, the primary species is aspen and maple there, but it is consumed. Then you have... Uh, there's another place. There's a few little sawmills here and there that do consume, but you got to have the good. You got the good saw logs. No, you can't yeah. do it with crooked, dogleggish style, a lot of limb style wood. But uh, yeah. it makes very good firewood. Yeah. But um, it's one of the primary species from before, right, JT? Yeah, it's one that we want to keep in the mixture. Um, right now, we don't have the best markets for it, and it never commanded a high price. Mm-mm. Hopefully, we're working on. Uh, mills coming in to start consuming this wood because I know like the colony has an abundant supply of pine that Mm -hmm. we don't have a real good we don't have a market for and if we could get like we were talking in the past that uh, company that turns it into bio crude if we could get that here yeah that would consume a lot of that that because in order to manage the forest from like JT's end we have to have an outlet for me and all the fellow loggers out there to haul them to. We need those outlets. Without them, we need each other. You, the mill needs us. We need the mill. We need the foresters. We need the management. And then we can manage the forest. Because if you don't have that, go look where areas where there is no harvesting of trees where there's trees. They have severe, you severe bet. problems. Right, JT? Oh, yeah. I, see, I, I think our biggest problem in forestry right now is markets. Uh, because without markets, we can't do this management. The Guys like yeah. Peter are our, our hands out there. The foresters can make Absolutely. all the good plans in the world, but it doesn't happen until somebody like Peter makes it happen. Well, listen, guys, we, we've got to uh, turn you loose. I want to, first of all, uh, tell you both uh, Merry Christmas. I won't see you or talk to you again, Peter, until next year. Yes. Uh, next time we do Let the Sawdust Fly will be Wednesday, January 29th. It's like six in weeks 2020. away. Yeah. Well, I may retire by then. <laughs> well, you better not. No way. But Merry Christmas, everybody. Right. Say thank you so much for allowing us on here. It's been a pleasure all the time. I'm glad people out there are listening and willing to take time to take the moment to listen to what's going on in the timber industry so you that bet. individual listeners have a better understanding. So when they see a job site, they see a logger, they understand more, just like uh, people see farmers. Thank you. Well, JT, thank you for coming in this morning, too, to help Peter out. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Well, you're very welcome, Brad. You know, Peter needs a lot of help. Oh, wasn't supposed to say that on the air, was I? (laughs) Thanks a lot. Have a Merry Christmas. All right. You guys both have a great Christmas. Kenny, we're going to do some Wisconsin news.